There's a lot of talk right now about artificial intelligence, including offerings like ChatGPT, which in theory can research and write for lawyers. But many lawyers have concerns, and perhaps the biggest one is, is the work generated by AI accurate? And if we're being realistic, there are probably more than a few lawyers who have no idea how the technology works. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, my guest is Greg Sarab. He's a technologist who has many thoughts about AI, and he's also a lawyer and the founder and CEO of Extegrity, a company that designs testing software for state bar exams and law schools. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. Nice to be here. Yes. So my first question for you. Let's say that I am a litigator and I'm curious to see how the technology works. What would be some good litigation tasks for me to play around with just to see how things work? So you've, you've dived uh, kind of into the middle of this uh, conversation, and I really feel like there needs to be some, some basic explanation of, of what, uh, what we're talking about here. So you mind okay. if I do that? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So an AI system people are, it's, it's obviously something people are hearing about daily, right? And what is it, mm-hmm. right? It can generate amazing art. Uh, it can manipulate photos. Uh, everybody's concerned about uh, deep fake videos, things like that. It can let Frank Sinatra sing Led Zeppelin. And I will give you a sample of that. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. There's a sign on the wall, but you ought to be sure because you know something that's worth having on me. What we're talking about for text-based work is something called an LLM. And we're not talking about the advanced degree from law school. We're talking about, <laughs> in this case, the it is funny, the large, the, but only for lawyers. We're talking about the large language model, which is a kind of software. So what, what does that mean, right? That, that means that there's this software is designed to take in or ingest unbelievably huge quantities of written work, which is called the corpus. And it'll look for patterns and structure uh, in that work, and then it will store information about what it finds, and then it'll use that, all of that, to generate novel responses to prompts. So the specific tool that does this is called a GPT, which is as in Chat GPT. And what is that? It'd be nice if it stood for general purpose something, but it doesn't. It actually stands for generative pre-trained transformer. So it's taking all this information. You're, you're asking it a question or giving a suggestion, and then it's generating a response. So why is this all of a sudden big news? Because computers can have been able to do that for a while. It's the combination of the gigantic corpus and advanced processing capability and good algorithms and storage. And all of a sudden there's a critical mass and it can really give us something that can pass a bar exam. If I don't know anything about the technology, what would be some ways for me to kind of play around with it and see how it might help me do my job more efficiently as a litigation lawyer? Sure. So the thing that it can do is it can take a question or a suggestion that you give it and come up with what sounds like a really good, reasonable answer. What it what it struggles with is detail. And so this is where you have to, with at least with the general tool like this, like the current GPT, you have to be careful about what you ask it. So if you're going to just have, if you're a litigator and you want to try it out, by all means, you can, you can get an account. It's free and you can really ask it whatever you want, but it's not, it doesn't have access to cases, statutes, things like that. And so it's not going to really be able to do, you know, it's not going to write your brief for you. 
in a convincing way because it doesn't have the underlying information and it can't make, it can't make those, it just can't make it up. So what it can do, for example, is if you had a large document uh, from a large set of documents for discovery or a transcript or something, it can read that. You can enter it in, it can read that, and it can give you back a summary and help you find patterns that it's finding. So if you're writing a, you know, a, a short explanation of some kind of situation and you have a mess of notes or you've written a draft and you just put that all in and ask it to make sense of that for you, it can do it. It can give you a, an outline. Uh, it can suggest how to, to approach uh, research. Right now, it's it can only do these very general things. But when you can have access to tools that have added in the body of law, the cases and the statutes and the journal articles and every place else that you go for actual legal information, then that's unleashed and it can re it really will be able to do a, a lot for you. When would that be, do you think? How long? A year? People are, it's, there's, there are already a few tools out there and um, I have zero doubt that people are madly building more. Any specialized field and not just law, uh, medicine, um, finance, Bloomberg has an AI out that's specialized for finance. Salesforce has one for customer resource management. I mean, this is happening. We're in the middle of it and the progress is staggering. I want to go back to an example you gave. You said that they could, uh, they, <laughs> the technology could summarize a dep for someone. Cause I would imagine that's probably an associate task would be to summarize a deposition yeah. or if you're a smaller shop, you have to do it yourself. So you could put in like the transcription of the deposition mm -hmm. and it would summarize it for you. How can you be sure it's accurate? How can it pick up tone? Well, it, it, it will definitely do a summary uh, and it will do it in seconds. You can have control over what you ask it. And if you, if you ask it well, for example, I mean, you have to be subtle about your, about your prompts. And this is sometimes referred to as prompt engineering. And there are tricks also. So for example, if you ask it to answer as an expert, if you, if you, if you ask it a legal question and ask it to answer as an expert in law, it's going to give you a better answer than if you just ask for an explanation. If you say, ask in, if you say, give, give it to me in bullet points, um, answer step-by-step step each stage, what will happen? It has limitless patience. If you don't like the way it answered, you can ask it a different way. And it's incredibly fun to try it. And again, I urge people to, to, to sign up, to sign up for one of these. There's other ones besides ChatGPT. Uh, Meta has one, uh, Google has one, and really just get into a conversation with it. And then imagine that it actually had the underlying information, the specialized data that, uh, that, that underlies the, the profession. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Do you know, I actually, I have not signed up for chat GPT. Well, I tried it a couple of months ago when there was a wait list. Do you know if the wait list is picked up or shorter at this point? I have not heard of anybody waiting. I actually plunked down for a, it's $20 a month, I think for a, for an account and I've never had it hesitate. And that what's the website for that? I think you could just Google ChatGPT. It'll take you right there. In another option, and I can speak about this with a little bit mm -hmm. of knowledge, is I was asked to test drives, ChatGPT, mm -hmm. or however, whatever the terminology would be. Sorry, it's not ChatGPT, but the, the AI. So you can uh, just- Bard, I think it's called. Yeah, it is. It's called yeah. Bard. Sorry. Yeah. So for those that purpose, and I don't know if, I'm assuming it's still available to people, to people what I do is I just open drive and the icon is there. So it is my reaction 
as a somewhat older person, is this is probably a lot easier than I may have thought it was initially. There's really not much to it. There's nothing to it. It's not much different than doing a Google search, but you could use it in that way. And the, the limitation is that it doesn't have access necessarily to current material. What it does have access to, you'll, you'll get a response like, my information is only good through September 2021. This is when the, the model that you have access to was given all of its data. And so it's got a lot. It's got all of Wikipedia. It's got tens of millions of web pages. It's got this thing called the common crawl, which is kind of an interesting, is it 500 gigabytes of text just skimmed from the internet? It's a lot of stuff, but it's not everything. And what's interesting is it doesn't, for example, have the Declaration of Independence. Somehow that's, there's a copyright limitation on that. I don't understand that, but that's what I'm reading. Um, however, it does have the constitution, but it doesn't have the Magna Carta. So, so there's gaps. It doesn't have Don Quixote. You'd think it would. So it's drawing from an oddly limited cross-section of, of world of information of the world. And a friend of mine who's in this, is in this business said, think of it as a, as a really, really smart 10 year old, right? It may know a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily know how they fit together. And it's going to give you a confident answer, but not necessarily know whether that's a good answer. And so to get decent feedback from it, you have to be thoughtful and creative about how you ask questions and ask them in six different ways. And the thing is, it's got, as I said, endless patience. It doesn't get mad at you. It's unbelievably polite. And for somebody like me, I mean, I could, I disappeared for hours in there just asking questions and going in different directions. And more than anything else, it's a lot of fun. So if you don't mind, pick a task that a lawyer might do, but is tedious. What would be a good example for that? So when there is, when there is a tool that is, that is optimized for legal work, uh, there's no doubt you'll be able to put in in addition to having the access to cases and things, you will also be able to put in your own stuff. So let's say you're a contracts uh, person and you have uh, a, your firm has a repository of, you know, hundreds or thousands of, of contracts that you've written or ones that you have access to. You put them all in and you can guide the, the algorithm to give you responses that you like. And all of a sudden it's writing your contracts the way, exactly the way you would, because it's learned from yours. And you know, to do one yourself when you could just ask the AI to do it, why would you, right? Now, that said, you'll want to, it, you should think of it as an editor, not as a writer, because you will need to take what it gives you and look it over. You have a, you have a responsibility to do that. But as they get better and better, I think people will need to do less and less. And this is only a matter of, I would say, a few years. Well, and do you think that the larger firms now, they probably have something like that in place? They're grabbing it as fast as they can, I have no doubt. Yeah. So say you're not a larger firm and you don't have access to that, but you just say you want to try something, let's say BARD, because that's what I know. Mm. What is like a simple task that you could use the technology that we have now? You can use it to organize and edit your own writing. But with ChatGPT or BARD or Llama, it's going to be referencing the large mass of information and not the specialized things. That said, let's say you wanted to create a writing that was in the voice of your boss, right? If mm -hmm. you, if you could give the AI samples and then say, here's something I've written. Can you please re-render this in my boss's voice? It will nail it. So in other words, could you put in like a graph that your boss worked, wrote, and said, my boss wrote this, 
Can you rewrite the following graph in her voice? Effortless. It will take seconds. That prompt really, would work. And it will really startle you. And again, I mean, my, my examples might sound a little trite, but if you would like it to sound like your boss, but if your boss was a pirate, it would take, it would be out in a second. And it would sound exactly like your boss if your boss was a pirate. If you want to sound like a, a particular Supreme Court justice, if you want to sound like your adversary, you could make it happen. You just need a few <laughs> you samples. You could write it like opposing counsel. Totally. You, or you can write it samples. like the judge. You can write it like the judge. The judge will be warm to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am curious because I think bosses who are heavy-handed with the editing might also – be the type of personalities that are uh, don't want you to use the technology. So I'm curious if they would, I'm curious if they'd say, oh, this is wonderful. Or they might be like, oh, no, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> what we're going to see, generally speaking, is that this will be as commonplace as a spell check. It will just be writing. It will be how you write. And people who don't use it to make their writing better, it'll just be a surprise. I mean, who who wouldn't? This will be just what you do. Now, that is for sort of generalized writing. And again, I may make this point over and over because I'm having trouble explaining it because I'm really just literally just wrapping my head around it now. When it needs to be specialized, a couple of things have to happen. It has to ingest the specialized sources, right? The cases and case law and legal stuff, right? There have to be really good instructions for what it gives you back. Uh, this is software has to be designed with instructions to give you the kind of writing you're looking for, right? So mm -hmm. it, so ChatGPT or Llama, they're not going to give you a brief. But if you have specialized software to interact with these sources and you train it how to do a brief, it'll give you a brief. It has the sources. It knows how to do it. It's only This is what we're waiting for. The, the general tools aren't there. The specific tools are coming. They're right there around the corner, and they will do this. This is what people are building. This is what... I am building. <laughs> so, and then uh, there's two more things that have to happen. The AI, the artificial intelligence needs to be reinforced, right? So you bring in experts to look at its answers and say, no, this answer needs to go this way. You need to do it like this. And the training sticks. It never forgets, right? And then finally, the users need to have, be good at their prompts. So they need to be guided on proper prompt engineering. If you have those four things, which you will, Ingestion, ingestion of specialized sources, fine-tuned instructions, expert training, and guidance on prompts, you will see that there will be really no limits to what this can do. Well, and back to our prompts, mm -hmm. something may be a little bit less controversial or easier than, say, write like my boss. You could say you're writing a memo and you're struggling to be precise with the language you've been given to explain something, but not like have, you don't want it to be five paragraphs. So you could put in what you wrote to the technology and say, condenses to half the size. And it wouldn't, you just have to check to make sure what was rendered was accurate. You, you can ask it to rewrite it in any direction you can think of. Um, mm -hmm. Make it longer, make it shorter, add information about this. And and it will give you an array of results that you, I think, can then either edit yourself or you may find that the result it's giving you is one that you like. But you do have a, a responsibility, uh, an obligation uh, as an attorney to make sure that what it actually said was true. This is, I think, where people may get into trouble. You can't be lazy. <laughs> you have to 
do the work and you have to know what you're doing and it will help you. But it sounds like what you're saying is maybe in a couple of years, you could be lazy because there'll be more authoritative sources. The better you get at it and the better it gets, then yes, that will probably happen. I was curious too, is there a concern among lawyers that if they upload their work into something, they wouldn't be protecting attorney-client privilege? I think that, so like many of these questions, it it kind of depends, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think right now there's a mechanism to be uploading into the, to the LLM that these, that these uh, AIs are using, but it's a question, right? Um, Are they continuing to ingest the things that people are bringing to it? And believe me, people are bringing a lot. There's, I read somewhere, I don't remember where it was, something like one in six adults in the U.S. has asked an AI a legal question. Oh, wow. I'm not sure where I saw that, and I can't vouch for that, but I did see that. I do remember seeing that. Then one in six jumped out at me. And, of course, people are madly typing in, you know, every question they can think of. And the question, of course, is the quality, right? I mean, it's learning from what it has access to. So if you want good stuff, you have to put your own stuff in. And I think for that, if you have your own account – uh, mm-hmm. With for an AI system that's expert that's an expert system that's tuned for your field or for the law, and the companies that will be selling these will say, you know, your space is yours, and, and they're not going to put it anywhere. But if you're just going to ask the public AI a question, it's kind of like you know you put something in Facebook or you put something in Twitter. I mean, it's just out there. Mm-hmm. But if you're paying a provider, specialist provider for an expert system. I'm sure that's a private system. At the end of the day, do you think in a when these private AI offerings are available, will they be equal to or better than, say, what's offered by Google? Because Google has a lot of people working on this. Right. So right? you'll be using probably you'll be using Google's AI or OpenAI's AI via something called an API, which is an application programming interface, which is basically your system is attaching to that larger system using its intelligence. And then you are adding a couple of things that I mentioned, right? The additional specialized sources plus the fine-tuned instructions, which are built into your your extra tool, right? Plus the training it's been given, right? Plus the prompts that you give it. And those things together will get you an incredible result, but you're actually leveraging one probably one of the existing large models. And it would probably have a security piece, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, you'd have well, your own like private garden, but uh-huh. but yeah, but the soil will, you know, connect under the ground. That's maybe that's a ridiculous metaphor, but it sort of works. Right? You're part of the bios- biosphere, right? Uh-huh. But you have your own walled garden. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, that? but the roots are spreading out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then- you know, it's still it's absorbing the nutrients from the soil, but Right. Right. Only you can eat the only you can eat the plum. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you your thoughts on how the air piece can be improved going forward with the technology. We'll be right back. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? 
their customer service, visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Get civil and you get a fast, custom-built website that looks great, brings you clients, and drops them right into your firm's systems. Civil partners perfectly with small firms by building the fastest sites in legal, handling digital marketing, enhancing your leads, and providing transparent analytics. They're civil to your other tech, too. Civil websites integrate with all legal case management systems, including Clio, Smokeball, MyCase, and Lawmatics. Get a free site audit with a no-obligation 15-minute demo about what Civil can do for your website. GetCivil.com. That's G-E-T-C-I-V-I-L-L-E.com. All rise with Civil. It can be frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process, but you know you need to protect your firm. Alps designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. Alps is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A-L-P-S insurance.com. A website from Civil fills your new client pipeline. Prospects find you through powerful SEO, and smart intake forms make it easy to integrate with Clio, Smokeball, Lawmatics, and MyCase. Never lose another lead. Get your Civil bundle. Website, SEO, content marketing, and Google Business Profile Management free for 60 days from the legal industry's best end-to-end lead generation platform. Book your demo at getcivil.com. That's getciville.com. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and my guest today is Greg Sareb. He is a lawyer and president of the law school and bar exam software company, Exegrity. So, Greg, as we said earlier, a really big concern from lawyers is the air piece that comes with the technology of AI and legal writing. How do you envision technology being able to make it what what's offered much more accurate? Well, for sure, we we need specialized tools, and and we've talked about this a couple of times. The gist of it is that the source material that ChatGPT and others are using is very broad and not that deep. For example, I just discovered within the last day that one of the large pieces of the body of material that that ChatGPT and others are using is something called books corpus. And you think, oh, it must have tens of thousands or millions of of books that are public domain. And and that's not actually true. It's actually a, only a few thousand unpublished books, and many of them are like sci-fi and fantasy. So, you know, it's it's got all of Wikipedia, but you know, we all use Wikipedia and it's you and it's Wikipedia is fantastic, but it's not always that detailed. Uh depends on the topic. It's got many web pages that it's found, but uh millions, tens of millions, but this is very general information. And so you can't put together a, a brief from general info. It doesn't have the cases. It doesn't have the analysis and it doesn't have uh, the statutes. It doesn't have any of that, not reliably. 
Do you see a way that perhaps there could be software that would red flag things you should check? Software that has ingested specialized sources will oh, be able to do okay. this. Yeah, okay. we'll be able to do this. And back to Wikipedia, it is great, but and personally as a journalist, and I'm sure this is certainly true for lawyers as well, I would never cite Wikipedia. That's not I, I would use it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I use it as a guide. But if, if, if I sent a Wikipedia page to the copy desk as like a, as part of the fact checking process, they would be very upset. So, but I, you can use it as a guide about where to look, right? And considering that, that, that ChatGPT and others uh, are using those sources and you're, it's, it's really just sort of a pre chewed set of that data that you can ask questions of and it gives you a conversational answer back. So it's it's kind of like that info has come somewhat alive. What it isn't is an expert, especially not on the law. No way. And I was curious, I have heard that something that especially young lawyers kind of struggle struggle with, it's the table of authorities. And I've certainly heard that law students struggle with that. Could you use chat GPT in some way to do that? Maybe you could even use it to format it because I've heard even the formatting is hard for law students. It is not trained in that and would mm-hmm. not do a good job. Um, it okay. may be able to cursorily put something together, but it, and if, if you gave it info to work with, um, but whether it would do it right, I would say probably not at this point. And it's not that kind of system. It is a general system, not an expert system. So anybody that did that is asking for it. Okay. From your work with law schools, what is your take on how law schools and um, academics generally feel about AI and students using it and professors? Well, there's, there's, the first thing is there's concern. Uh, people imagine that it will be used to cheat and it, it, it can be used that way. If you've got a paper, you've got to write or a take-home exam when nobody's watching you, uh, you could ask ChatGPT or the others uh, a question with that information. If the answer requires detailed knowledge of precedent and cases, statutes and, su- and such, uh, it's not going to do, it's not going to give you a great answer. However, if you give it a fact pattern and ask it to sketch out an approach to an answer on this, uh, it could do pretty well. And we've all seen those reports where, where it passed the bar exam, but you got to look at the kind of question. It's a pretty general question. Um, it has certainly got some grounding in legal concepts because those pervade the in the information that exists generally in the world, right? There's a lot of discussion. If you've got billions of, of, of sources, some of them are legal and it will access that. So it can take a, a simple question and give you a reasonable answer, but it depends. And I couldn't tell you with specificity which kinds of which kinds of questions it would do better or worse at, but generally, I would say general questions, general rules of law. It'll give you an okay answer. It's organized. It is orderly, right? If you would like it to outline an answer, it will give you a great outline of an answer. But if you rely on it completely, you're going to be in trouble. Maybe if you have a hard time writing and you are disciplined, could the technology teach you to write better? For instance, when you ask it to write a graph more succinctly. You could compare and see what it did. And if you like it, like remember it moving forward to use less words. It's an amazing writing coach. Uh, it writes pretty well. And and you can ask it to change its style. You can ask it to help you formulate an analysis. And it'll do a really good job. And it'll give you options. There's no question about it. And really, one way, if, if we do think about it as kind of ultra advanced spell check, that's fine. 
but within those limitations, you're going to get really great, great responses. And I think people's writing can be better and it should be better. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of written responses and it can be, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody, but it can be a little surprising and, uh, you know, what people write and they can all, we can all do better and it will help. And they sh- people should use it that way. Mm-hmm. But what the, what the schools need to realize is that this is not stoppable. It's not containable. And it's just going to be the way things are. And it'll be pretty fast, but students are obligated as our lawyers to be correct. And if they rely on somebody else to, whether it's a natural intelligence or an artificial intelligence for correctness of answers, that's cheating. I think for some schools that pride themselves on how their graduates write, like people that go to the federal clerkships, mm-hmm. there's a concern that if their students use chat GPT, they will never know how to write. Do you, is that a legitimate concern? Or is I because I think now, I mean, I think that there's some high school seniors with very good mathematical minds whose parents bought them the a, a graphing calculator and have probably since the eighth grade. Yeah, that's got a you know, this ship has sailed quality to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not going to be able to really pull that back. And, you know, uh, is, you know, is it fair to say that, that automobiles, you know, reduce people's ability to, you know, to ride horses? Well, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, what do you, I don't think we're going back. <laughs> No, I'm an now I'm an old guy, and I I drive I drive my car has a manual transmission, which I've been told now is considered a millennial anti theft device. Um, and hard to I, find. Yeah, I won't give it. Right. I won't yeah. give it up. But it's mm-hmm. but it's you know it's an obsolete skill. So I, will will writing well become an obsolete skill? I mean, gradually, probably, yeah. And what we'll have to replace it is having good judgment and knowledge and knowing when the writing is good. But you're going to get scaffolded with your writing. But wouldn't it also be the creative piece? Like, for instance, if Justice Roberts has written for the majority of Supreme Court opinion, that's usually a joy for me to read. And I don't have to take notes because, you know, whatever his ideology is, it's so well written. Where with others, I mean, I definitely have to take notes and follow it, but for someone who writes really well and creatively in an appropriate way, is the technology ever going to be able to replace that? It will be pretty much indistinguishable in most cases. Um, yeah. There's a popular YouTube channel which involves this guy, uh, Rick Beato, who's a musician who picks apart songs and explains why they're great. It's pretty interesting. And he... I forget what the year is, but there's for him, there's like a cutoff stuff after a certain point. He just doesn't like it. And we'll, we'll say as an objectively seeming way that it's just bad. Um, I'm not picking on current music. There's some great stuff out there. There's no question about it, but there is no doubt that there is a qualitative difference between the music of the seventies and the music of the, you know, the last few years. Uh, And as there's a qualitative difference between the music of the, 1800s and the music of the of the 1900s the underlying technology changes people adapt the culture shifts and people adapt are we talking about a cultural shift where something that seems as fundamental to the way humans communicate as writing uh will be augmented for us almost naturally yeah that's what we're seeing 
So to wrap things up, if you have an employer who just doesn't want the people who work there to use the technology and you think it might be helpful to your practice or your work as a lawyer, what would be some good arguments to make? I read uh, uh, an essay recently talking about why lawyers have to really embrace this. They don't have a choice. And the line they used, and I'm sure it's getting a lot of play and you may even have heard it, but the line is AI won't replace lawyers, but lawyers who use AI will replace lawyers who don't. And I think you can take out lawyers and put in any other field that is a knowledge-based field. I don't think, well, actually, it's only a matter of time till AI replaces even, you know, bricklayers. You create a physical device that can lay, that can put a brick down and intelligence as to how to do it well, and it'll do a good job. That's true of that's true of bricks and it's true of law. And what about the profit piece for private practice? As it stands now, large law firms make a fair amount of money off of billing their associates, right? Right. So enormous efficiencies, there's no doubt. Things, especially like discovery and, and you know, basic contract writing, things like that, those are very amenable to automation. It'll reduce costs somewhat. Hopefully that'll mean that, that legal services become more accessible. In my career as a very young, recent undergraduate, you know, out of, recently out of undergraduate, I was I got into this a particular kind of consulting, and uh, I was an early adopter of technology. Simply being able to produce reports overnight from a letter quality printer in the '80s made me in high demand in a large city. I was one of very few people who would, was capable of producing this work, and I, that was pretty basic technology. But people would ask me all the time, "How many people do you have working for you?" And I'd say, "Oh, eight or 10. <laughs> but it was just me because I, I could write it and produce perfect output. The next day and they were just flabbergasted um and that wasn't even the knowledge component of it that was just simply the physical production of it so this is the evolution of that now the knowledge component of, of things will will be streamlined and will be able to get done more quickly and the firms that use it efficiently will do really well one of the things i like to imagine is that it will encourage a lot of younger lawyers to go out into small or private uh, solo practice and go out into the community where where People are clearly underserved by by legal services and get out there and, you know, use the AI tools to make that accessible for people at a much more modest cost. If that happens, that's a great result as far as I'm concerned. Love to see that. Well, but do you think for the firms that don't want to offer work at a modest cost, will they incorporate it into their way of doing business? Well, they'll have to explain it to the client. Um, mm-hmm. I never worked in a large firm, but I have a sense of how things go. And I don't know to what degree they have to show them what their, where their billing is coming from. But if you've got, you know, one you know, smart young associate who is doing the discovery work that would have taken a dozen or maybe not that many, maybe half a dozen other younger associates and getting the same quality of work done, how are you billing that? Well, and it could be that the clients demand it, as we saw in their early aughts, right, with e-discovery. Uh, if I was a client, I would I would expect you to use the best, most efficient tools. And I just don't see how it can go any other way. That's the way technology's always worked. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really great chatting with you. 
Thank you very much. It, it's it's so it's so fascinating. It's it, it does feel like you know drinking from a fire hose trying to figure out exactly what's happening. Um, but I would say the biggest mistake would be to underestimate it. And I've seen a lot over many years, but I never seen anything like this. And listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered. 